This is the Happen to Your Career podcast with Scott Anthony Barlow. We help you stop doing work that doesn't fit you, figure out what does, and make it happen. We help you define the work that's unapologetically you, and then go get it. If you're ready to make a change, keep listening. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. Hey, it's Scott from Happen to Your Career, and guess what? Today is a special bonus episode, and normally, when you hear this, it's me and a guest, and we're having the discussion. Today, it's just you and me talking about how to find the time to make a career change, even when you are insanely busy. And the reason that we've wanted to do this type of episode for a really long time is this is one of the biggest things that stops people again and again and again if you are wanting to make a career change. Finding the time, making the time, prioritizing the time, those sound like they should be easy and we all know they're not. And I don't want you to have to feel bad (laughs) when it isn't easy and instead I wanted to be able to give you some ways to be able to find that time, take back that time, and do something about it here. Okay, so here's here's the reality. That to do something different of any kind, you know, whether you're making a big career change or whether you are uh, training for a marathon or whether you are like to do anything different in your life, you literally and metaphorically have to stop, stop doing something. Like it doesn't happen. Like, think about it. If I'm going to spend my time in a different way, I cannot do that without stopping doing something that was already in existence. It, it simply is not possible, right? Okay. So now the challenge here is that most people in the world, they get to this point, they get to this realization, and that's where they give up. And I totally get it. I mean, if you're listening to this right now, chances are high that you are a really busy person. You might have lots of responsibilities. You might have obligations, maybe even other humans depending on you. I have three little humans, ages 8, 10, and almost 12. So how on earth do you layer in something new, like making a career change to a new job or, or you know, a new company or even new industry with so many people out there saying, you know, finding a new job is a full-time job in itself. It's, it's no wonder it sounds so intimidating and it starts to sound impossible. And then many people just give up at this point, continue to live in toleration, continue to say, well, you know what? I guess that, uh, that this is good enough. So in this episode, I actually want to give you a variety of ways. Some you may have heard of, and never thought could actually work for you, and others you probably haven't heard of before in the way that we're going to talk about them. And I want to give you this variety of ways, and and we'll call them techniques, tools, so that you can make five to 10 hours a week of space for your career change. And then it becomes very, very possible for you to do something about it at that point. I'm even going to share some of the more advanced techniques that I've personally used when trying to make time and space or some of the ones that we teach in our career change bootcamp program uh, as well. So before we get into those though, I want you to truly understand what the cost, the actual cost, not just monetary cost, 
but also other costs as well of not doing this, not making the career change that you want to, not uh, when you're in a situation and you know something needs to be different going forward, not doing something about it or accepting it and living in toleration. So here's here's some really interesting pieces and in a different way to look at it. First of all, we've seen internally that changing jobs or changing companies is the absolute best time to increase your salary. We've seen lots of $10,000, $20,000, $40,000 increases with our clients when they've changed jobs. And you've even heard some of these stories on the podcast, although we don't typically share in the episode how much they made before and after. Uh, if you've heard them on the podcast, they've most of the time, not all the time, they've usually made a pretty significant salary shift. But let's say that you know, you're not getting a $40,000 increase. And let's say that you get just a 10% increase. Let's just use this as an example for a moment. You just get a 10% increase for your salary when you make this change. Let's do the math on that. If you made $50,000 per year, I know, I know you probably make more than that. You probably make a different amount, but let's just do the simple math on $50,000 a year. So let's say that you make 50K per year and you get a meager 10% increase, which is fairly common and relatively easy to do when changing jobs. That means that's $5,000 more that you made after making that change. $5,000 more. Okay, now let's say that you spent 10 hours per week for four months working on that job change to be able to make that happen. Okay. What does that $5,000 more translate out to? That means that that's $31 and 25 cents per hour that you just make. Cause you spend 160 hours working on making that job change 10 hours per week, uh, over spread over four months translates to guess what? That 10 hours per week, uh, over four months, is actually worth $31.25 per hour. What's crazy is that at $50,000 per year, which, you know, if you make more than that, if you work around 40 hours per week, <laughs> you're actually only making $24 per hour. <laughs> and this means that your time is actually more valuable per hour when you're spending it changing jobs than working on the job itself. Okay, and this is this holds true as well. When you do that same math, you know, at a hundred thousand um, uh, dollars, as as well, you're <laughs> and make it at a at just a ten just a ten percent increase. It uh, it still is more valuable making the job change, spending your time on making the job change, than it is working in the job itself, too. Crazy, right? Okay, and by the way, this isn't even counting future annual earnings at your new rate because I found that what happens is most people continue to take that raise with you over the years, wherever you go. They typically don't go backwards. And if we consider that you might have an additional 20 to 30 years before you retire, then that means that the 160 hours that you spent making a career change is now worth at least 600 and $25 per hour, or a total of $100,000 over the next 25 years. And that's, again, if you're just making a $50,000 a year salary. If you're making a $100,000 a year salary, that doubles. <laughs> then that makes that, uh, when you're looking at it spread over across those next, uh, next 25 years, then it's worth significantly more, literally double that amount. Okay. 
personally, I've I've done this, uh, I've tracked this because I'm a total nerd like this when it comes to these types of things and really optimizing time. And I, I tracked this for about 10 years or so when I was working for other organizations. And the additional income I made from making career changes and getting raises each time, it made me an additional $200,000, a little over $200,000 actually, during that time from just two job changes. Crazy, right? It's Only it's not really that crazy. This is something that happens all the time, only we don't think about it in these types of context. And this means that if you've been considering a job or considering a career change, or if you don't love your career right now, then you literally and figuratively can't afford not to dedicate the time to doing something about it. <laughs> and this, this holds true whether you make you know, 50K, 100K, 250K a year. The time that you spend changing jobs is likely more valuable uh, spent that way because it's the very best and easiest time to negotiate a raise. And why is that? Well, we've we've found that that's the time where you have more power in the negotiation process than any other time. Okay, so here's the crazy thing about all this. We we just, you know, cited all that math and everything like that. And a lot of times people at this point are like, well, you know, it might take me longer to change industries or occupations or figure out what I want to do or anything else. Um, but what we found is that, especially when it translates to raises, because that's that's the other thing that pops up too. It's like, well, if I'm changing industries, I can't really make as much. But we found that most of the time, this actually still holds true even when you're changing occupations or industries or jobs or roles to something that's new to you. We've seen that again and again and again and again. Are there exceptions? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you want to go from lawyer to beekeeper, then yes, you might experience different results. But most of the time, what we see is that people that want to keep their salary high and use the transferable skills that they enjoy are able to do so when that's what they're seeking out. Okay, so the question comes back, of course, to how do I make the time to do this? In this episode, I want to give you some of the best ways uh, that you can use to create an extra five to 10 hours a week of time that you didn't have before that now you can devote to making a career change. So sometimes our episodes are not incredibly tactical. We delve really deeply into a lot of the psychology and other pieces that have a tendency to stop people from making career changes and some of the some of the transformation that takes place during that process. A lot of times when when you hear these stories, of people that we've worked with on the podcast that have you know, worked with our coaches, worked with our team, gone through a career change boot camp. Uh, a lot of times they're not the same person in many different ways when they started working with us compared to after that transition. And there's a lot of psychology go goes into that. I love that stuff, but that's not what we're going to talk about today. Instead, we're going to be fairly tactical here. And I want to give you some really specific ways. That way, at the, by the end of this episode, you can say, hey, I want to pick one to two of these that I can use to get back time so that I can devote it to making this career change. Because if this, if you really want this to be a priority for you, then guess what? You're going to have to do something about it. And I want to, I want to help you be able to do those things in order to make the time, make the space in your life. Okay. So here's one of the things that behind the scenes in our crew change bootcamp program, some of our other programs too, um, we use these methods. 
So we start out with how can we actually plan better? How can we actually plan better? So there's there's two pieces to this that I've seen that are really, really simple. One, this is absurd. And you may have heard of this one before, but very few people actually take the time to do it because they don't realize the sheer amount of value that it can have. Okay. And that is taking the taking a time inventory. So this can be really, really very simple. And an easy way to do this is as you're going throughout your week, just you know, keeping a journal, keeping an Excel spreadsheet, whatever is your style. It doesn't even matter what it is. It really doesn't matter. Uh, you know, I use a, a, I have used a Google Sheet. I've used uh, literally a notebook and in uh, a piece of paper, and capturing where you're spending your time, especially not what is on your calendar, especially those things that are taking you off of your calendar or off of your routine, capturing what that looks like and understanding where your time is going. That is a huge, hairy deal. Every time somebody does this and does a great job of it and is capturing those pieces and not just the actual things that you're doing, but even the decisions that you have to make that are taking time uh, away from you, then inevitably there are always pieces you realize that you can remove or do differently. So this starts out with a with a time inventory. So that's that's one suggestion. Uh, another another thing that we use that is a variation of that skips over the time inventory. We call it creating a master schedule. In this exercise of creating a master schedule, think about it as creating how you want to spend your ideal week in terms of time for whatever it is that you're doing right now. So for example, that might be. I want to make the space and time to change change jobs, change roles, identify what it is that I want to do, what creates an ideal career for me, and then be able to make the space to make that happen. So going through the process of detailing out what your week looks like and almost thinking about this as a, as a time budget, a, a time budget in which you plot every, you know, every 15 minutes of, of your day for one week and then that makes up your ideal week at the end of that exercise. Okay, this can be really simple. We don't have to overthink this at all. Uh, you can uh, literally draw this out on a piece of paper. Uh, on one side, put the put the times or the hours of the day uh, down the left hand side, and then on the uh, the top, divide it into each day within a calendar week, so seven days in total, and then. You know, draw in and write in again imperfectly where you want to spend your time. So, for for example, that might be you know, getting up at uh, at six a.m. each morning, and then what uh, what's the first thing that you do before you go to work? Yeah, what what do you want that time to be spent on? Now, okay, so this does not sound super complicated. But unless you understand the value that you're getting out of it, you may not actually want to spend the time doing it. Inevitably, here's what happens. We've, first of all, we've never had anybody go through this exercise and be like, I found no value out of that. We've had many people that have hesitated to do the exercise and said, ah, you know, that seems like, that seems like 
one that, you know, people that really haven't figured out calendarization or budgeting their time or anything, that's one that they should do. And instead, what we've realized is that when people go through and take the time to do this, they find one of two things. They either find that they just have tons of things jam-packed into their day uh, right now. And it's really difficult for them to create time. And then it becomes just super, super relevant to them to make sure that every every minute or uh, you know, every every hour is spent valuably on things that they want to, or that they're going to have to get rid of something. Or the other, uh, other realization is more along the lines of, wow, I actually have more time than what I realized, and I'm just not using it in the way that I thought that I could. So we usually see one of those those two extremes. I've got less time or more time than I've realized. Either one, whatever conclusion that you come to, ends up being valuable. So for a master schedule, this is something I actually use. Uh, I've used for, oh my goodness, probably, probably 12, 10, 12 years now at this, at this point in time. So, you know, that, that thing that pops up that we've been told in the past by some people who look at it and go, oh, you know, that's, that's for amateurs. Uh, we respectfully disagree. We believe that, you know, much the same way that you see, uh, you know, you see somebody running alongside of the road, you know, that is training for a marathon and you think that, wow, that person doesn't need to run. They're really, really fit. Uh, they're fit because they run or they're fit because they take care of themselves in that way. And they do that all the time. This is the same type of concept here. You know, somebody who has time and has created time for the things that they believe are most important at any given time are because they do things like this. They go professional in the areas where it counts. So that's, that's a perfect example. I do master schedule and have done uh, one at least quarterly for the last probably 10 or 12 years. Can't remember exactly when I started. Either way, this helps you um, understand what you what and where you want to spend your time on and creates that ideal for you so that you can then put that into reality. Because if you haven't identified what is the ideal, it's going to be really difficult to try to model that day after day in reality. So this is not intended to keep track of like every every appointment that comes up. If you have a haircut, you know, two Tuesdays from now, that's not the way that you're using the master schedule. This is literally a one week version of how you want to be ideally spending your time. Is everything going to go perfectly to that? No, absolutely not. But it does help. Going through this exercise helps you understand the difference between where you're at and where you want to get to. So we we use this method and we use this exercise all the time in our career change bootcamp program. It is so incredibly helpful to realize where your time is going and where you have those pockets of time. Okay, so this is one place to start because it helps pave the way for just how much time you actually need to create or free up or make use of or whatever what you already have maybe that you didn't know you need. Maybe you've got already you know, three hours of time that you just didn't realize that you had in there. And now you only need to find an additional two or three or five hours. Okay, so let's talk about another another really useful set of tools here. And we're going to put these into a category. And this is outsourcing and automating the things that you don't have to do yourself. 
Okay. Now, we've alluded to this on one other episode on the Happen to Your Career podcast. You may have heard me allude to some of these pieces before, but I think that this is one of the most underrated things that you can do is identifying and either outsourcing or automating those things that don't require you unless you absolutely love them. So these we're talking about things like laundry, meal prep, uh, lawn mowing, uh, occasionally having you know somebody else pick up the kids, uh, all of these pieces, unless you are absolutely loving them, then there may not be a reason to keep them in your schedule. They're things that take up time that are not necessarily adding massive amounts of value that somebody else easily could be doing. So let's talk through some of these pieces here. So I have kids, mentioned that earlier. I've got some small humans that uh, that we are trying to grow into really productive, uh, larger humans, I guess. And one of the things that we have found is it takes a lot of time to run them around. It absolutely does, especially where, you know, they're into, they're into sports, they're into Taekwondo. My son plays hockey. Uh, two of my other kids play soccer. Uh, you've got all these different things. We've got tournaments, we've got games, uh, we've got school activities, you name it. You might have those too, if you have small humans running around. And if you do, something that can be super easy to take the time to set up, even if you don't want to do something extreme, like I've considered hiring a driver at different points in time, um, and we haven't done that. However, what can be the next step down that might be super easy to do for you and also incredibly effective is set up a carpool. We found a lot of times that other parents of other kids are going to the same places at the same time all the time. Taking the time to set up a carpool, have somebody else pick up the kids, or trade off. I do it this week, you do it next week, all the kids got to get to the same place, they're coming from the same place. It's often with a small amount of upfront planning can save you that back and forth across town at least once a week, which that back and forth across town, even if you're in a small town, you know, can add up to if it's just 15 minutes one way, 15 minutes another way, or 10 minutes one way, like that's 20 minutes each time, half an hour each time. If it's longer across town, that can add up to hours in a given week, which gets spread across the month. So something that's really easy to do. There's a great example there. Let's say that you don't have small humans. Well, what about if you have lawn mowing, uh, meal prep, all of those types of things, cooking, planning out, uh, you know, planning out a uh, meal for the week, all of those types of things can be outsourced and in some cases automated. Lawn mowing is a great example. And you might think some of this stuff is actually really expensive to pay someone else to do. It doesn't have to be. We found a neighborhood kid to mow our lawn for $20 each time. And he would have done it for less, but $80 a month to never ever have to think about the lawn again. I don't have to to think about it. Occasionally, I talk to him and say, hey, can you mow it a little bit longer? But that takes all of 15 seconds. But I've taken this a step further, too. We have a guy from our church who's a teacher who comes to fertilize our lawn four times a year. Uh, The house is sprayed for bugs four times a year. As far as outdoors go, I don't enjoy mowing the lawn. I don't enjoy spraying for bugs. And I don't want to spend my time that way. And it's taken away from things that I can be doing that are more valuable for me to spend my time. 
in, in this case, you know, it's my work or it is spending time with my kids or family or traveling or other things like that too. In your case, it might be freeing up that extra time in order to allow you to focus on changing jobs and taking advantage of the increases that have a tendency to come along with that too. All right, so here's another another thing too. <laughs> I find that so many people have not taken the steps to uh, set up everything on direct withdrawal or auto pay or created an automated finance system. This is something that if you haven't done, you know, taking the time to do it once now may take you a total of five hours, but then for the entire rest of your life, it just becomes small tweaks and you never have to do that again. You never have to write another check again. You never have to, um, and yes, there might be exceptions. Yes, I know I'm going to get some emails where it's like, I'm still going to have to write a check about da 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 da. Save the email and instead, let's focus on the on the bigger picture. And then that instead, you end up freeing up many, many, many hours over the course of month, year, and future years as well. So that's another area that you can get into too. And, and by the way, if you want to get really good at outsourcing, Things that you don't have to do, you can go take this up, you know, two, three, five notches here. You can hire an assistant. And I have learned that some people have real hangups and mental barriers about hiring an assistant. Some of these are um, around time worth. Some of these are around having other people do tasks that you've grown accustomed to doing yourself. And some of these are other types of hangups too. But I've personally done this even by hiring a virtual assistant when I was in HR leadership and we were down some team members at the time. And I even had this person help out with the non-essential tasks or tasks that didn't require passing along sensitive information from the company, which are way more than what most people realize. And at the time, I even did this with my boss's blessing and the company paid for it. It gave me back about seven hours per week which was pretty cool. But you can do the same thing for you as well, personally. It doesn't necessarily have to be paid by your company, but you can get back this time too. And people often wonder, what can an assistant do for you? Well, they can take all of the little things off your hands that you don't even realize are taking up your time, like calling and scheduling appointments on putting them on your calendar and calling and sitting on hold for customer service departments or ordering items. I, I can't tell you how much time um, prior to having uh, an assistant that either myself or Alyssa would spend ordering items or researching items or trying to determine what is the perfect item. And then a lot of times uh, now uh, I can have a, an assistant actually do all that research, send me the options, I can look at that, and then they can do the ordering. Booking travel is another another one. Uh, finding and calling the repair guy to come fix the dishwasher. All of these little tiny things. Researching things I need to know about my son's hockey camp. You know, whatever it is, there are likely you know, 20, 30, 40 things that are taking place in your given month that you don't need to do yourself, that somebody else could do. So yes, I realize that for some people, this is going to come off extreme. And sometimes people get hung up about the value of their time here. Uh, and you, you might think, oh, you know, pay $250 or $300 a month for a virtual assistant to work part-time 15 to 20 hours a month because I could just do it myself. 
And and that's the the hangup people get into. And I've been there, totally understand that, felt the same way myself. But think about what that's saying about how you feel about your time. If you don't believe that your time is worth more than 15 or 20 bucks an hour, you may have a hard time convincing your next employer that you're really worth the extra money that you're going to be asking for them, <laughs> right? So it, it comes back to that mental perspective too, and what you believe about your own time that doesn't get considered and also is potentially costing you money as well. Okay. So here's, here's another great one that you can do batching things together, taking the time to recognize what gets done throughout the week and can be batched together. That takes less time overall when you batch it together. So here's an example, getting the, getting the mail. I realized, and Alyssa, my wife realized that we were getting the mail every day. First of all, very few things that were really important actually came to us in the mail. Lots of it was junk mail. The vast majority of it, I'd say 90 plus percent of it was junk mail. And the occasional time where we got something that was important or that we did want to see, well, it really didn't matter if it's out an extra couple of days, right? So what we started doing at that particular time is going through it once a week, just getting the email once a week and then sorting through it and you know tossing everything in the recycle bin or even every two weeks. For most people, nothing life-changing is coming in the mail anymore. And the extra minutes you gain back by not getting the email, not getting the mail and sorting through it every day is much more valuable than knowing three days sooner that you're pre-approved for yet another black label MasterCard. Okay. Other things that you can batch together that take less time when you do them all at once. Uh, ordering household goods, or better yet, you know, automate them like we've talked about before, or setting them up on subscription. Or what about meal planning in a given week? Yeah, creating a menu at uh, at the beginning of the week, and even batching together trips for the grocery store instead of making multiple trips throughout the week. Can you do a better job of? planning the meal and allowing yourself. Yes, it takes more upfront thought and time and everything like that, but uh, batching it together might save you an extra two, three, four trips throughout the month to the store. Okay. So there's a few examples of how you can batch things together. Here's what I would encourage you to ask, you know, as you're going through and as you're doing um, that time inventory, or you're thinking about your time, start to recognize what are those areas where I'm spending my time on that pop up more than once throughout the week or more than once throughout the month? Is there opportunity, and likely there is, to be able to batch them together in some way? Or as we talked about earlier, can we automate them or can we outsource them in one way or another? Okay. I want to give you another area here too. Eliminating the small things that take time on your to-do list, completely removing this from your life. I love doing this, by the way. It appeals to my maximizer and strategic strengths if uh, if you're using the strength finder verbiage both of those are something that i love it also appeals to my nerdiness about how i can enjoy just four more seconds today than yesterday a recent example of this was we realized that our once really nice cooking pans had had a lot of use over the years and now uh, every single time we use them, it takes so much longer to clean by hand. 
And we might use these three or four times a week. And although it only takes a couple of minutes to clean the pan, neither Alyssa or myself like doing it. So it was extra time that could have spent spent elsewhere um, and time that we certainly weren't enjoying or what would happen a lot of the times is we simply wouldn't do it that night. And then it would sit in the sink for the next 24 hours and become an irritation, which ended up taking away our mental bandwidth. And we'll talk more about that here in just a minute. So instead, we realized that it would be actually less than $75 to replace the pans. Why? Well, because we donated the whole huge set of pans that we had and instead just got two pans that are the type that we use most often and that clean up in seconds. And over the week, this gives us back about 10 to 12 minutes each week. And I know, I know, I know, I know, 10 to 12 minutes does not sound like a lot. It really doesn't. And it isn't, except that when you realize that you probably have lots of 10 to 20 minutes or 10 to 12 you know, minute weekly items that are sucking your time away minute by minute. And if you can just find and remove five to 10 of these, it starts adding up to hours every single week. Every time we find one of these, we always say the same thing. We always are like, ah, oh, I wish we would have done that months ago. I wish we would have done that years ago. Okay, now here's something that's really important to know. It's important to note here that the actual time taken by tasks, and that's one category. And then there's a whole nother category of mental bandwidth and stress that impact your ability to function productively with the small amount of time that you have left over. Now, here's an example of this. Uh, we constantly have things that we want to donate to Goodwill. And we made a conscious effort over the last last couple of years to just try and buy less stuff because we kept noticing the same pattern. Like we'd buy it, you know, the kids would use it, we'd use it for a short period of time, and then nobody would ever use it again. So we just now buy less stuff. And actually that ends up saving our time over the long run for a variety of different reasons. And in this case, even though we we buy less stuff, we still find that there are those toys the kids no longer play with or clothes that we no longer wear or it just don't work anymore. And once we decide we no longer want these, what used to happen is we would pull them out and we'd set them aside in the corner of the room until we would go to Goodwill and drop them off. Now, this doesn't sound like a big deal, except that it might be two or three weeks until we were planning on making another trip. So then every single time I would walk past those, I would think, wow, that looks messy over there. We've got to take those to Goodwill. And then I'd spend the next 10 minutes irritated that the house always felt messy, whether it actually was messy or not. You know, that's, that's what was happening. And so we realized this, this was sucking up our mental bandwidth simply because we hadn't actually done anything about it. And because it was constantly a present, I might walk by that pile five or 10 times a day. And that ends up becoming not just an irritation, which is a lesser quality of life, but also ends up capturing my attention when my attention and bandwidth could be focused on something that is more enjoyable or more productive. And again, this is getting into the nitty gritty, but by not addressing these things, uh, it feels more stressful. And that's you know what starts to add up to the, uh, at the end of the day, I don't have any energy to be able to focus on doing something like making a career change too. So all these little things have a tendency to add up. So in this case, here's what we did. We decided we don't want to look at those anymore. And every single time we're looking at them, it's it's a bad situation. It takes away that bandwidth. So 
we created a staging area in our garage. Really, really simple solution. And now every single time we have something that we can or want to give away, then there's an oversized laundry basket that sits there in that staging area and collects all the donation items until we make the next trip to drop them off. And our kids know that that's where those go. Uh, We know that that's where those go. We've got a place to put those. It's not in the corner of the room. It's not taking our attention. Now I spend literally zero minutes a year thinking about it or being irritated about it. It's just something that happens on autopilot and it's been completely removed from my time and attention. Okay. So you have some of these right now too. Here's what I would encourage you to do in order to find these as you're going throughout your day pay attention to those things that irritate you and write them down. And that's likely where you're going to find, that's likely where you're going to find those areas that you can do something about that are stealing your actual time and also your energy and bandwidth as well. And then create a solution for the ones that are capturing the most of your attention and check them off one at a time. And what you're going to find is you're going to end up getting actual time back as well as mental bandwidth and energy back too, both of which are important. Okay, so we've gone through a huge list of examples here. What I would encourage you to do is go through and just choose one or two of these to start with so that you can create more time in your given week. And then you can redevote that time to be able to make a career change. Yeah, we've got many, many, many more examples that, uh, that we use all the time and run into all the time, but I wanted to give you some of these big areas and some questions to ask yourself to find these for yourself. And here's what I would tell you too. Hey, since this is one of the biggest pieces that actually stops people from making their career change or identifying work that they really want to be doing or focusing their attention uh, or making this a priority, then yeah, this is this has got to be where you first start. This sets the foundation for nearly everything else to happen later. Inevitably, here's what I know will happen. Yeah, some people will listen to this and be like, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm doing this. You know, and then two weeks later, they have five to 10 hours back every single week. And that's awesome. And then they'll be ready to go to make their career change. Other people are going to listen to this and they're going to be like, ah, oh, you know what? Those are awesome, but I am still struggling to even implement it. In either one of those situations, here's what I would suggest. If, if you are either one, you know, you've already gone through and done this and created more time and space in your, in your life to be able to make this career change and you want help taking the next step, or you are wanting help actually implementing these pieces, either one is okay. And I'd say open, open your email app on your phone right now and drop me an email. Drop me an email that says conversation in the, in the subject title. and. What we'll do is I'll connect you with my team, probably our director of student success, Philip Mianko, and then he'll have a conversation with you and help you figure out how you can implement even more of this and also the very, very best way that we can help support you through making your career change and turning this into a priority. And we'll help you make it happen. All right. So this has been a bonus episode. I hope you absolutely love this. Let us know what you think as well. If this is something that you loved, 
and want to hear more of, then by all means, drop me an email, scott at happentoyourcareer.com and let me know. Also, if you want to have a conversation with our team and figure out how to implement this or how to make your career change now that you've got freed up time, then Scott, it happened to your career. Put conversation on the subject line. We'll help you make it happen. We'll understand your situation and, and work to make sure that we understand what your goals are, and then we'll figure out the very best way we can help. All right. I will see you next time. With We'll be back on Monday with a regular episode and... We've got so much more in store for you coming right here on Happen to Your Career. Adios. I am out. 